Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Expanding Economics podcast. My name is Sophia, and I am studying economics and sociology at McGill. Hi, my name is Mirabai, and I study economics, political science, and international development studies at McGill. My name is Andrew, and I study economics at McGill. Hello, my name is Raya, and I'm studying economics and social entrepreneurship at McGill. So if you're a returning listener to the podcast, you may realize that our voices are a little different, and that's because our previous host, Leora, has graduated. We wish her lots of luck on whatever has she has coming up next, and thank her for all the work she did to make this podcast what it is right now. Uh, we'll be taking over the podcast going forward, and today we wanted to talk about inflation. Uh, so you don't have to be an economist or a politician to understand that inflation is a problem right now. Uh, I go to the grocery store and my groceries keep getting more and more expensive. And I don't really go out as frequently as I used to because it's expensive. Um, so this CNBC has reported that there's about a 7.9% inflation um, in February, but Honestly, it's probably more. Uh, food and energy costs are rising. The average Canadian fuel price has climbed to over $2 from just $1.66 a few weeks ago. Um, in this oil-dependent economy, price increases have ripple effects throughout society. We need it for pretty much every aspect of our daily lives. So how did we get here? Um, was it months of COVID stimulus or was it the oil shock caused by the Ukraine and Russia conflict? Is there more to the story? This is what we want to talk about. Um, so we're just undergraduates and we don't know everything about economics, but we are here to share what we do know and question what we're learning. Yep. And it's time for us to put our armchair hats on and you are listening to Expanding Economics. I think we can start off by asking the question, um, is inflation transitory? Just to define the terms that we have here, inflation is basically the consistent rise in price level over time. And the reason it becomes a problem is that it continues to rise year after year. And transitory means that is it temporary? Will we see it increase or will we see it um, die down at some point? So initially, post-pandemic inflation, it basically reflected an economy that was overworked with too much demand because of all the stimulus that was put in the economy. Everyone was getting more money. This was, in fact, benefiting a lot of the, the people that were... Uh, the people that have been marginalized from economic gains in the previous years. Precisely. Like uh, low-income families, people without much support or cushion um, in times of economic crisis beforehand. Exactly. And so we thought that as restrictions lift, we'd have more workers and more production that could outweigh this excess demand that is causing this rise in prices. Um, however, due to recent events, which were beyond our control, so the supply chain were, was also heavily hit. Um, I think it's also important to note that supply chains were hit before due to the pandemic, due to obvious reasons from just shortages and not being able to transport a lot of the goods and services. 
Um, and so with the R- Russia invasion to Ukraine and Omicron taking over China, targeting more supply chains, inflation is really getting worse. Yeah, so I want to backtrack a second here to inflation concerns during COVID, because um, during COVID, we saw unprecedented fiscal policy and stimulus occurring throughout the world. Um, But, you know, to keep it local here to Canada, since we do live in Montreal, we had the CERB benefit um, and a lot of social support for various businesses. And a lot of people agree that this was the right move at the time uh, to sustain the economy. But a lot of people were talking about what it might do for inflation for a long time. In uh, economic theory, it theorizes that these so-called helicopter drops, lump sum payments pushed into the economy, do cause rises in price levels. Um, So I kind of want to ask you guys, do we think that COVID policy and the CERB benefit contributed to inflationary pressure we're feeling today? Or was that just kind of something that happened on the sideline and that people like to use as an argument against social support and government support? What do we think? I would, I will, um, I will posit my opinion and suggest that, well, two things. One is that um, the COVID stimulus spending did have an extremely large effect, a large effect on our current inflation, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad or that it wasn't worth it. It just means that there's a trade-off. It just means that like, it becomes a matter of opportunity cost in terms of how much um, how much COVID stimulus should we apply to the economy, and to what extent is this good with respect to the inflation that we'll face down the line sometime afterwards? That's just my take. Um, yes, and I kind of I agree totally with you, and I wanted to add like this this demand stimulus was basically a kickstarter to get everything going because everything was stalling and it was to reach those people at the margins that were greatly affected by covid and it did actually it was beneficial in that sense and it did help all of these marginalized people Um, however what is alarming now is the fact that not only is there a demand and is there excess in demand, but there's a shortage in supply that is being extenuated by external forces, such as the oil shocks and like the Russia invasion of Ukraine. And I mean, oil shortages. Um, so that would be that would be the major concern because you have both forces acting towards the persistent increase in price level, which would therefore exacerbate the current situation. Just to add to that, I think an important thing to think about is what would have happened if we didn't have the CERB. So I think in the the sense that if we didn't have this kind of stimulus coming in and everything was closed, people would have suffered disproportionately. And I think my biggest issue with it was the lack of targeting. So the wealthy were getting the CERB. Anybody could get the CERB. It was anybody that had to be shut down. And I think that maybe if the targeting was a little little bit better with regard to the um, putting out of these cash transfers, then we would have maybe combated inflation a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think it was what we really needed. And as Raya said, if the supply chain shocks weren't this bad, there was high demand and low supply. There's going to be inflation either way. But I think... At the end of the day, the CERB was something that we needed. Yeah, And to compound these effects of a lot of places being forcefully shut down, um, we also have to think about the 
what's been deemed as the great resignation a, um, a huge amount of people voluntarily leaving their jobs um, the f- fed federal labor statistics of the u.s uh, estimate that about 47 million americans quit their job in 2021 and this has uh, caused a leftward shift in labor supply which of course is constraining the economy um, and you know, for example, Uber had or any of these kind of service platforms are having huge problems finding people willing to work these precarious jobs, gig work, when they could just take this benefit and make more money. Um, so the question is, is this a cause of the benefit being available or is it a cause of forces that were already at play before COVID? Are firms not treating their workers as they should? Are they not paying them enough? Are they not providing enough um, employment benefits to keep them supported beyond their paycheck? Um, What other factors do you think are making people want to quit their jobs so badly? I think um, as an answer to all your first couple of questions, the answer is definitely yes that there was an increase in CERB, which led to people wanting to leave their current job, especially workers our age. I mean, if you were in Montreal, especially during the summer, we did see a lot of restaurants desperately wanting to hire. They really wanted to get young people to work again. And I know even from some of my friends that they received probably like these $2,000 payments and they were telling their job, like their managers, uh, I want to leave my work because I don't need to work, frankly. Um, So this was definitely a problem that rose. Also, I think what I can add about the great resignation is just the fact that everyone got a lot of time to think about what they like and what they want. And especially that we have probably a lot of startups that are just happening and are just coming about in 2021 and 2022. And this just says a lot about the different mindsets that people are in and people just want to take action. And I think if someone is dissatisfied with their work, this is definitely the time where you say no and you make the change that you want to. I think just to add to this, um, I just took a labor policy class, actually. So this is really interesting because we speak about the CERB a lot. And these types of programs are designed to ensure that people, well, not ensure, but like uh, mitigate these disincentive effects. It's They're designed to ensure that people don't quit their jobs. This means that if people are still quitting their jobs and they're only getting $2,000 a month, it means, I think it says a lot about the way they're being treated at work. Because $2,000 a month is barely enough to cover rent and food. So I think the bigger picture is that, yes, there were some disincentive effects from these um, from these stimulus um, programs. And yeah, it sucked that a lot of people left their jobs, but then they clearly weren't being treated that well if they were willing to take unemployment over being paid $2,000 a month. Yeah, and on that uh, note of these huge pay cuts, something that I was thinking about um, d- today as I went to go buy my coffee at Replica Cafe and saw that they had increased their prices uh, to reflect the rising costs. And I thought about this huge, first of all, the like our wages keeping up with these rising prices? And the answer is no. Um, businesses are not rising their wages to reflect the uh, increasing prices that consumers are facing. But this is creating a huge um, tension. Like, what are small businesses supposed to do? Are they supposed to try and help increase their wages for their workers, or do they shift it onto the consumer and raise the price? Well, it's kind of a lose-lose, double-edged sword. And uh, what do you guys think? Some of the consequences of 
This is going to be for the way f- businesses are treating their employees and um, for the way businesses survive and for the way they treat their customers. I think definitely there's going to be a rethinking of all of these aspects and especially with re- in regards to mental health. Um, I know in the company that I was working at recently that they definitely set aside some time to connect with the coworkers and always make sure that we're getting enough free time um, to do the things that we want to do. And that says a lot about what the future holds. And I think we might even be going to a time where we get a four work day instead of a five uh, day work day, five Five-day work week. (laughs) I'm just going to say that Raya's words today are fantastic. And I think we should have you, like, every week make a new, like, thing that you make up. Because they're they're great. A new compound word. (laughs) Comedic relief amongst all these rising prices. I can't believe I have to pay six bucks for a coffee now, but at least four-day week work. (laughs) You have to be efficient with your words sometimes, you know. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I think a lot of you raise good points, but one idea I would like to float is just the idea that right now there are no quick fixes. There are no simple solutions to this. This is like a rock and a hard place problem. Like you can't like if you were to keep mailing people checks, obviously that would raise the inflation rate more. And obviously you need to be able to like help the lower income and marginalized people. Like if you were to do what the like central banks normally do and increase interest rates, well, you can make the argument that that might be the right prescription for now. But even then, that would temporarily increase the unemployment rate. And I think we would all agree that that's a bad thing to happen. Um, so like, yeah, if you want to do like like massive change from the ground up, then sure. But like within the short term, there are no easy solutions to the problem right now. Yeah, Andrew, you bring up a really unfortunately true point. Uh, I really, in the short term, see no like win-win solution for anyone, which is just something we are going to have to adjust our living to, unfortunately. I think just to add on to that, I think that um, I feel for small businesses because I think they're the ones that hurt the most in these situations. We always love to hear that minimum wage is rising and I agree with it because I think people deserve to be paid better. But these people that own their small coffee shops and little restaurants, they hurt. So I think it's maybe looking more at corporate entities and bigger businesses that, you know, maybe don't pay enough tax or whatever the case is. Find a way to uh, make this work. I don't know what the answer is and I think we all can agree it's super complicated. But um, I think, for example, just rising minimum wage is a great solution, but it's not a solution. I think small businesses will hurt and we want to keep those people around because the, the big the big corporates are not always the, the best, you know? So. Um, so I think with whatever solution we come up with or whatever uh, the Bank of Canada decides to take action towards, it's definitely important to, as Andrew said, to not be short-sighted, to think about the future and to take decisions that would not affect the most disadvantaged and to take decisions that would not lead to excess inflation and reduce the purchasing power of all the consumers and also um, a decision that might not hurt the most disadvantaged in society.
Yeah, but I am glad that we have gotten to the point where we all agree that inflation is currently a big problem and that it's not transitory. Because, like, you know, the whole idea where, like, the first, like, the biggest things that you can do at the beginning to help address a problem is to acknowledge that it exists. So, like, right now we are facing an inflation crisis that is hurting a lot of people. But the fact that we are willing to acknowledge it and not sidestep it is a sign of progress. Yeah, so you all make uh, really strong points.、Um, definitely, the effects of inflation from COVID are something we're going to keep feeling for a while.、Uh, so, but we want to look more in the present moment now and into the long term, as we mentioned. So, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the oil shocks that have occurred due to the Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, we thank you for listening. This has been Mirabai, Sophia, Andrew, and Raya on the Expanding Economics podcast, and you'll be hearing from us next time. Thank you.